Hello and welcome to The Good, The Bad and The Arty with me, Anna Gammons. I am an artist and art broadcaster. And me, Tabish Khan. I'm an art critic. This week we are going to be talking about how to get into art. I'm very excited. We're going to be covering topics such as how to get started with what you like in art and how to engage with art for the first time if you don't know where to begin and what our own personal journeys were in getting into art. Okay, so Tab, what are your good and bad things about getting into art? So I think the good thing for me is very much that most exhibitions and galleries have at least some degree of free displays for you to visit. And the fact that you don't have to spend any money aside from your travel costs to see art, especially in a geographical centre like London, is amazing. I would say the bad side is that I feel it's still very exclusionary and that a lot of people don't feel welcome in art, which is something that I believe that I'm working towards trying my best to make it more accessible to everyone. How about you, Anna? Yeah, I think what I would say the best thing about getting into art is that anyone can get into art. It, it you know, whether it's going to see art or creating art, um, art is for everyone. It should be for everyone. I would say, yeah, the, the bad thing is there's sometimes a feeling that you need permission to enjoy art or to have an opinion on art, which just is not the case. And so, yeah, hopefully we're going to be making it a little bit more accessible bit by bit. Tab, you've got some stats for me about getting into art. Yes, yeah, so it's quite worrying that around only 50% of the population that's in the UK have been to a museum or gallery in the last 12 months. Is that and when- true? That is true. Um, according to 2019 and 2020 <laughs> data, um, which is slightly worrying because one, a lot of galleries and museums are free. So it's not like there's any barrier to going to one, like say for the cinema or the theatre where you normally pay for a ticket. And it's also more worrying once you step outside the cities because people in rural areas go less often. And also when you start splitting it by minority groups and social demographics, so people from working class backgrounds go to museums and galleries less and people who are sort of black or Asian minorities go less often than people who are white. And it begs the question, what is it about art that makes it so hard to get into? And that's something that we want to talk about in this episode. Yeah, I think that's a really interesting place to start as well, that um, statistically it is such a low proportion of the population um, that enjoy art. And as you said, do the stats break down what people, what types of groups, geographical locations and things like that? Well, interestingly enough, some of the stats talk about why don't people go. Yeah, that's what I want to know. Why don't people go to art galleries? And interestingly enough, the three lower ends are it's too expensive or it's difficult to get to or I have a health problem or disability. The two main ones are... Number two, I don't have time. And number one... <laughs> no one has time. <laughs> and number one, I'm not interested. I'm not interested. All right. But I think it's worth unpacking that because what is it that people aren't interested in? Because I find when people say they're not interested, it's because there's never been art that grabs them. And that might feel like, you know, this is art that just doesn't speak to me or it's very difficult to access. And art can be sometimes like that. You know, galleries can look quite intimidating or people might think, oh, you know, you see an artwork and think, oh, it's nice, but I have nothing else to say about it. Well, I think people feel more comfortable talking about a movie in a cinema and saying whether they liked it or not versus 
an artwork which can be uber conceptual sometimes. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. I think some people also maybe feel like you need permission to have an opinion on art or to enjoy art, as opposed to, I think film's an interesting example because with film, you almost, it's for everybody. Whereas art, there's a sort of assumption that it's for certain types of people maybe, um, which, you know, it shouldn't be the case. So I think that that's a really interesting place to start. And I think what you said about conceptual art too, I, I know a lot of people who would say they would they would focus on one type of art and say, oh, I just didn't like that or I didn't understand it. So therefore I don't like art. But there are so many different types of art. I mean, you know this better than everyone. Hmm. And I, th- and I think that's important because people go, well, you know, art's not for me. And you wouldn't say that about films. So if somebody said to me, mm. I don't watch films because they aren't for me, I'd be like, I get it if, say, rom-coms aren't for you or action movies aren't for you, but all film? Yeah, it's the genre, right? You have to be genre-specific. It's the same with art, I would say, right? You haven't maybe found what kind of art appeals to you. Hmm. Interesting. And there's a big difference from, say, Renaissance paintings like Leonardo da Vinci and Michelangelo to, say uber conceptual art which is just say tiles on the floor mm. or tracy emmons unmade bed is often comes up mm-hmm. and also street art by things like banksy etc and then sort of abstract artworks like the ones you make or the mm. ones by people like jackson pollock mm. there's a real broad range mm. of art out there and to say that you don't like art or you don't get art is quite limiting and i don't want to fault people for saying that i think it's more that they've been led to believe that art is not for everyone yeah, I agree. And uh, yeah, ex- exactly that. And, and I think I think people are worried to get it wrong. I think they're worried to enjoy art or suggest you know, going to a gallery with friends or because they feel like um, maybe their tastes aren't uh, elite enough or yeah, they're, they're worried to say the wrong thing about art. You, you particularly have a very interesting story about how you got into Art Tab because you haven't always been into art. So you are the prime example here as somebody that got into art at a later stage. I hope so. I mean, my journey started when I had a corporate job, which I think a lot of people have. And I was commuting on the tube. This is before lockdown. So you had to commute every day. (laughs) And I was on the tube and I used to see the the London Underground and see the posters on the underground carriages that said adverts for exhibitions at Tate or Royal Academy of Arts. And I thought, I know nothing about art. I have no friends in art. I have no family connections. I thought, you know what, why don't I just go because I'm looking for something to do outside of work that might pique my interest so I started going I really enjoyed it and someone said oh why don't you write about it so I started writing and then I started pitching to some people Londonists being the first ones to take me on who I still write for and now 12 to 13 years later my reviews say Londonist five stars or Culture Whisper five stars occasionally now appear on those very same underground posters which is lovely (laughs) I know it's lovely I love that but then I think I'm very proud of that and I'm grateful for how that's played out but at the same time I look back and say why am I the exception why am I Mm. the one person who did transition from outside art to into art and other people aren't doing so because essentially I want to reach those for want of a better word, tabish khans in waiting, who are waiting to discover art. I want to reach them. And I don't feel that everyone has to love art, but I want to feel that everyone has the opportunity to at least engage with the broad spectrum of art Mm. and then come back and say, well, it's something that I maybe enjoyed some elements of it, but I'm not going to spend too much time on. But at least they've had the opportunity to see it. And I think so many people 
are deprived of that opportunity, which is a shame. I, I wonder whether we should distinguish early on the barriers that people might perceive in the, the commercial art spaces or the gallery art spaces as opposed to it being in your home. I think we talked about, you know, we said about films being really accessible because they are literally in your home. And mm. so you don't have to, there are no barriers to watching a film necessarily, whereas there are kind of barriers, I think, to enjoying art. I think it is one of those things where you have to push outside your comfort zone because a lot of people aren't exposed to art on a regular basis and I think that is a common concern around people especially there is this very much it's seen as a middle class pursuit mm. and you know that's what you know children who grow up in a house full of books are more likely to be readers as adults because they grew up surrounded by books than those who didn't and I think it's the same with art so if you grew up with artworks in your home and the truth is some most people will have some kind of art in their home but not many people will actually really give a lot of thought into what artworks they place in their home and so therefore you've already limited the number of people I mean the only artwork I remember having in my home growing up was my parents had a sort of reproduction of Constables the Haywain and I wonder whether that's because it's the most quintessentially British <laughs> art there is and they were obviously immigrants coming from India so they oh, love, love the fact that. that you know there's something so British in their living room it is very green and pleasant lands isn't it but it's true I don't know did you grow up with art in your home Anna? yeah I mean my story is um I guess potentially quite stereotypical of an artist or maybe not actually I don't know but um my mum was an artist so I was surrounded by art in the home and I think the joy of art was very intrinsic to my upbringing and I don't just mean the joy of creating art I just mean the joy of experiencing art having it surrounded by it I was immersed in it as young as I can remember my mum would allow me to experiment with different artist techniques and you know pencils paper inks crayons paints that was my playtime it wasn't with bricks and blocks and things like that it was with paintbrushes and so I think art just became how I understood the world and how I expressed myself in the world it felt very natural for me to do that and I never felt I didn't have a valid voice in that world and I never felt that there was a barrier but that was because what I was taught by my parents was that this was really normal and I can see from you know the way that you've described art that if you didn't grow up with having art everywhere and and being able to use art as a sort of a tool um then yeah I can see why I can see why that would be really difficult and it's just it's the same I I, I there are blocks to every different aspect in life right like art's not just one there there are there are so many and food is one as well like if you're not brought up enjoying food or knowing about food or it being part of your family culture then that can be really intimidating and you know would you go to a really fancy restaurant and feel that you've got the right to be there because mm. you know it's an interesting yeah you wouldn't uh drink out the finger bowl or something if you're in a fancy <laughs> restaurant and and it's it's not just art by itself remember i imagine things like classical music and opera and ballet face the same barriers where people feel oh you know i wouldn't know what to you know i'm happy going to a, a gig of like taylor swift or harry styles but mm. to go and listen to somebody play something by Mahler, i wouldn't feel comfortable with because i don't really know classical music at all or yeah. seeing romeo and juliet and ballet form would be intimidated to a lot of people so yeah. i understand how that's designed that way but at the same time I do feel like there's a real opportunity for anyone to engage with it because one of the best things and you notice this when traveling abroad mm. is that in the UK most museums or galleries that are national collections are free to enter yes this is a really big point actually I'm glad you brought it up and I think that's the other thing about um, galleries where you walk in if because it's free you can just go in and see one painting and just spend 
20 minutes for that painting and then come back another day to the National Gallery to see another painting. You can just take your time. You don't feel like, well, like when I went to Le Louvre as well, I thought, oh, I'm here and I've paid. Now I need to maximise my day and spend all day in the, and check out <laughs> everything that they have to offer. Otherwise, I yeah. feel like I've wasted my money. And I can't just go straight to the Mona Lisa. I have to act at least like I've <laughs> done the rounds. <laughs> And it's strange that that's how people also measure art. Like, for example, the Mona Lisa is a brilliant painting, but there's also many, many other brilliant paintings mm. in the adjacent rooms or even in the same room. Mm. But because it's got the crowds, everyone's drawn to it. And I think you can tell that, you know, when you go to the National Gallery as well, you know which are the most famous paintings because that's all the people are around. Mm -hmm. And it's interesting how we kind of want to follow the crowd because we don't want to feel like that strange person who's looking at the painting that no one else is looking at. <laughs> because even That's though you thing, love it. isn't it? Not having permission to, you know, have your own opinions on something or, or feel that they're not valid or that you don't know enough to have an opinion. Mm. Is that what you did then? Do you remember the first time you went with intention to see an art gallery or an art piece? I think the first few I went to were things like big exhibitions that were advertised, things like National Gallery, Royal Academy. Annoyingly, I can't actually remember the very first one, which is, you know, I'll have to make something up so I've got a better origin story. <laughs> Uh, but when I started going, I thought, you know, I'm just going to see as much as I can. And that's the best way to really appreciate anything is just to immerse yourself in it mm. and see as much as you can and see what you like, see what you don't like and try to get a flavour for it. But of course, I felt like I didn't have the strength of an opinion to opine on pieces to say, oh, this is good, but that's not good. That took a long time coming. And even now, you know, I don't have an art history background or a journalism background like most art critics. So even now I feel quite intimidated when I put out an opinion that's against the mainstream or against the norm, because I feel that, you know, who am I to be disagreeing with the people who write for big broadsheet newspapers who've studied art their entire lives or longer than I've been alive. And it does take a little while to get to a point where you feel comfortable with it. But I think that's slightly different for me as an art critic. I feel for someone who just wants to appreciate art, mm. I think it's fine to have an opinion. It's fine not to like a masterpiece. It's fine that it just doesn't do anything for you. Mm. That's okay. Every opinion is valid. And even if what you say doesn't agree with what the label on the wall says, that's still your opinion. Mm. Art is almost 100% subjective and you're allowed to like what you want. I think it's important to talk about the different types of galleries that are out there. So, yes. and the language is confusing. It's but, so confusing. Even yeah. I struggle to get my head around it as well. But yeah, you're right. I'm glad you're explaining this. So I think it's important to say there are sort of like the museums that everyone's familiar with, say like the British Museum, the for National example. Gallery, and then things that have the name Gallery, National Gallery, National Portrait Gallery. It's worth noting. I think the umbrella term we use is institutions because essentially they get their funding from government or they have, they're not trying to sell the artworks they're showing. They're showing them for viewing pleasure for want of a better word. Yeah. So all of those things, the, some will be called museums, some will be called galleries, but they're all kind of, you can kind of brush them under this term of art museums or art institutions. Yeah. And Which is wild because I just imagine them in the National Gallery having price tags at the bottom. <laughs> Or the British Museum, you know, like a little Rosetta Stone tag. But you're right, yeah, that's something to note for sure. Yeah, so those are sort of, um, some will have entrance fees, but most don't. Uh, the major ones don't. So you can go in and see their permanent collections for free. Sometimes you have to pay for the exhibitions they put on because there's a cost to putting that exhibition on. And then at the other end, you have what are sometimes referred to as commercial galleries. So these are the galleries that are 
functioning by selling artworks. And you might find a lot of these in places like Mayfair, Soho and Fitzrovia in the centre of town because they need to be there to attract the wealthy people who can buy. Mm -hmm. Now, it's important that you might feel, well, hold on, these artworks are so expensive, they don't even have price tags. You know, you have to ask someone to find out how much it costs. <laughs> Which is very scary. And don't they say something like, if you have to ask the price, you can't afford it or something I like that? I do think they say that. But no wonder people are just scared to go in galleries. I mean, yeah. Yeah, and I think, I know that's not so dissimilar from, say, I don't know, like a Gucci showroom or Rolls-Royce showroom. Sure. Uh, so it feels intimidating. But those places, you don't have to be able to buy to go in. You can still go into the gallery to enjoy and appreciate the art. Mm. And I think especially artists really value that, that people go in and see their artworks. And some galleries are very open to it as well. I think you just have to get over that fear that it feels quite intimidating because, you know, you look at a gallery and the door is closed because they're often climate controlled. So you're like, is it open? Is it not open? Can Mm. I go in? Can I look around? Do I have to pay? And the important thing to note is a commercial gallery will almost never charge an admission because ultimately... Mm they are selling. They're essentially a high-end shop. And as one mm. artist once said to me, you should feel as comfortable walking into a gallery as you are walking into a super drug. You know, it's just yeah. somewhere to look around. You have, you don't have to buy anything. You can just look around and leave or you can go in there mm. and see and be interested and talk to people about the artworks. Absolutely. it's That's really interesting. And I think, you know, as, as much as we would like for, for people to feel really comfortable walking into galleries, there is there is an element of, like, they're, they're there to be sold and um, you almost feel like you're wasting people's time if you don't want to go in and buy. And I would ser- I certainly feel like that, walking into, like, a Dior or something like that. Like, I'm not going to go in, in and buy something, but I would love to look at the stuff they have there, but then you feel like you're yeah wasting time or out of place or something like that and I think that's definitely how people feel in galleries a lot of the time okay so you are somebody that came to art later so you can beautifully describe I'm hoping how might one get into art what are your tips for somebody that thinks perhaps the art is not for them or would like to get into art and doesn't know how to do that start with the big national institutions not because I think you can't find great art elsewhere, but I think that they are designed with teams who make sure that the labels are accessible to design an exhibition and a layout that is free to see, which is the permanent collection, Mm. and easy to access. So covering all ends of the spectrum, I would say something like the National Gallery or National Portrait Gallery to see the more historic works, Mm. and then somewhere like Tate Modern to see the more modern works, Mm. because that will give you the full spectrum, and then you'll start to get a feel for what you like. But the important thing is just to see as much as you can and spend your time going into galleries. And then once you get your confidence up, then some of these commercial galleries, you might just be walking past them, and you think, hey, I'm just going to pop in and see what art they have. And even as a critic, I see hundreds of shows, and... It's important to know that most of them don't resonate with me, but that's okay. That's the whole process. You're discovering what you like. You're seeing everything. And then rely on people like me uh, to, I know, subtle plug for my Instagram there, but just follow me on Instagram (laughs) or Twitter. And then, you know, you can see all the things that I see and you can self-select from what I've seen and say, okay, he's seen these 12 things. I don't like half of them, but the other half I'm intrigued by. Let me go check them out. And that's what... You know, things like Instagram and Twitter and social media have really helped in making it all accessible to everyone. Absolutely. Two things there. Love that you said the big institutions as a gateway. I think that's really nice because um, you can also be inconspicuous there. Mm. There are lots of people 
you know, go on a weekend where there's going to be, nobody is going to ask you if you, what you think about them. Nobody's going to ask you if you'd like to buy them, (laughs) hopefully. Uh, And yeah, and you can be, you can take your time and and really go at your own pace and know that you, as you said, are are in a space that has been curated so that you can find something you like. And there's a lot of stuff on offer. Like, do you think it's important to just see artwork that you like though? This is the other thing. Cause you mentioned, you know, seeing artwork that you, that you like or that you don't like. And also my question to you is, do you also think researching in advance is a good idea if you're going to see something that you feel that you don't know a lot about? Or do you actually think an organic experience is better? I think organically is probably the best approach. I only say that because a lot of art texts are quite heavy and dense and a lot of books about art can be quite heavy and that might put you off. I think it's best to just see the stuff and think, oh, this is what I like. I'm just going to read up a bit more on Impressionism or Baroque art or sculpture or anything after I've seen it. I think the best way to start is just to throw yourself at it and not literally, obviously, there are barriers <laughs> to stop you doing that. Um, they're not very high barriers, which I always worry about. But, you know, they are, you know, there's a there's a respect for artworks that mean people abide by the rules. Have you ever set one off before? I've accidentally set one off in, um, oh, where was I? A van... Van Gogh exhibition um mm. Van Gogh exhibition um yeah and I stepped over the line and I didn't realize it was there and somebody came and tapped me on the shoulder it was very embarrassing and I just had to say, I'm so sorry I'm... well sometimes you get the beep yeah There's like a laser yeah. sensor and <laughs> what's really funny is people who aren't used to the beep look really confused like what's this beeping noise and yeah. they don't realize they're causing it yeah. because they're too close <laughs> to the artwork because a lot of these artworks are obviously painted on canvas that is exposed and therefore it's hundreds of years old and therefore yeah. you can't have anyone getting too close to have to it or breathing on it mm. or it's really interesting because everything is very temperature controlled i mean the british museum yeah. learned this during lockdown actually which was that the exhibits had controlled humidity but that humidity was dependent on a certain on number people of people coming in because yeah, we obviously breath. all exhale water vapor in our breath and so they found they had to increase artificial humidity to keep all the objects safe which is that is fascinating Gosh, there you go. Fun fact you didn't know about COVID. (laughs) Right, so we're starting with the big ones. We're starting with the big galleries and then we're moving to smaller galleries. Um, Mm. Where do you find these galleries? I mean, obviously we can go on your Instagram. I know you have, you, Tab sees maybe six exhibitions every Saturday, maybe more. Yeah, probably more. Sometimes it it varies between probably about six to 15 exhibitions every Saturday. So So I go around lots of exhibitions, but there's so many galleries, even I can't keep track of it. So the important thing is that if you go to exhibitions and you say, oh, I like what they're showing, or there's a gallery that like, just get added to their mailing list. Often it's it's available online, or often they have a visitor book where you can just put your email address and say, please add me to the mailing list. And then you'll start getting notified by email of all the exhibitions they have on, and then you can choose from them. So when I started out, I had to go search them out. Now that I've been writing for so many years, I get them all into my inbox. It's often too many emails, but (laughs) it means I can see them all and decide what I want to see. And I think that helps. So it's just kind of, it just snowballs from when you start out. And I think it's the same with any industry. You know, if you start watching sort of films, then you'll start learning about from internet forums, for example, what other films are out there Mm. or apps that recommend films and therefore you grow and grow from there. And I think art is very similar. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. And what about people that don't know what they like? They haven't seen anything they like yet or they don't, nothing resonates with them yet. 
I think it's worth giving it a lot of variety. So, for example, let's say nothing at the National Gallery worked for you. Then maybe take modern at the other end of scale. <laughs> maybe you don't love historical art. <laughs> yes, and that's fine. You know, maybe like conceptual art, or maybe you like films about art, or maybe you like sculpture or drawing. There's so many different varieties to art. And if you think that you're not very artistic, I think it's worth noting that almost drawing is the most primal thing. You know, we all like doodle mm. when we're on the phone or we kind of like make patterns on the mist on a bus or something along those lines, you know. That's so true. We're yeah, all draftspersons, right. as it were, you know. <laughs> we're all artists is what Tav is saying. Exactly. <laughs> you know, and Picasso's famous, I'm probably getting this wrong, but he said something like, every child is born an artist. Yeah. The problem is remaining one. And that's sure. the thing. We start to think that we're not creative. And I think... That's not true. I think it's the same thing with, you know, people say, oh, I'm not a maths person. It's like, well, it just means you were taught maths in a way that didn't work for you. Yeah, I'm, I completely agree with that. And I think it's really interesting. When, whenever anybody says, you know, oh, I can't draw a stick man or I can't draw or whatever, or I just, or, or I'm not arty or, yeah, creative is, is, a, is one. I, I think, yeah, there are certain people that maybe have a bit more of a logical brain and that's the side of their brain that maybe comes more naturally or that they practice using more or you're right they just got taught in school methods that really appealed to that side of their brain mm. i do think that everybody has a creativity to them and and i think as i said we've we've been taught at school there's a very binary way of learning and often it's like oh well that's not a good piece of artwork why is it not a good piece of artwork because it doesn't look like the thing well that's very literal and very unhelpful and and also mm. just not how art is in the world so yeah i i would totally agree with that and i and sure not everybody can make a living out of art i don't think everyone would want to but i think that yeah certainly you're doing yourself a disservice if you believe that creativity just is a part of life mm. that you can't engage with Indeed. And obviously, it's important to note that people will be listening to this, that, you know, you and I, we live and breathe and sleep occasionally sure. art. And therefore, <laughs> we're not advocating that everyone has to do that. What mm. we're saying is that it can be a part of your life, just like, for example, film and theatre are a part of my life. They're not the, the core bit, but they are bits that I enjoy. So mm. therefore, you know, and you will see this when you go to galleries, actually, that the busiest time in galleries tends to be sort of late afternoon because people are on a Saturday for example because they're wanting to see some art and then they're going to go out for dinner mm. or they're going to go to do something else and therefore it naturally fits in to their sort of ritual of going to see artworks that's why galleries are the quietest if you're going on a weekend and you know a lot of people have full-time jobs so they can't go on any other day than the weekend Saturday morning or Sunday morning is often the quietest time because very few people go then because mm. then they can't naturally link it into something so that does happen and I'm just advocating that art should be a part of people's lives. And I think there's a really good book called Station Eleven. It's a novel set during, weirdly enough, pre and presciently enough, a pandemic. And is it's, it? Well, it was just written before 2020. It was written presumably. before the pandemic. But it's about a world where mm. the pandemic has wiped out a lot of humanity. Um, so it's a very post-apocalyptic world. And it focuses on these people who travel around. And they're a travelling group of sort of actors, musicians... And they just go around performing to the surviving groups. And the tagline from the book is that because survival isn't enough. And I think that's really important that most of us and most of people listening are very fortunate to live in a world where, you know, food, water, shelter, the basic necessities are met. And once you get past that, you know, what's the what's the point of kind of life? And the two main things for me are obviously people like friends, family, loved ones. Mm. And the other part is is the wider arts, you know, mm. like film, theatre, comedy, visual mm. arts. 
that's what makes life interesting, you know, the ideas out there. Okay, so I'm gonna give you a scenario and I would like your top tips for this person getting into art. I'm gonna do a few different characters. <laughs> okay, you're gonna role play. Yeah, yeah, we're gonna role play. <laughs> okay, so I'm Ken and I really like modern art mm -hmm. or I think I really like modern art, but I, I haven't seen a lot of art. I've been to the Tate and I loved it. What would you say I would do? What are my next steps? I've been to the Tate Modern. Okay, um, I think it's important to go see more things at sort of, there are other smaller sort of contemporary um, sort of, for credible word, museums, but things like the South London Gallery or the Institute of Contemporary Arts, where they are also like Tate Moderns but smaller, so they'll have exhibitions on and they're often free as well. And find out which one your local ones so you can get to it more easily or near where you work and start going to more and more. But then have conversations, you know, go to say talks about it. Um, if you want to read up, find some books about it and try and get your head around more of it and then form your own opinion. So when you find out an artist that you really like work by, find out more about them. Are they still alive? Are they showing with a certain gallery? Maybe go to that gallery, see what's on display. And that's how you kind of grow from there and also see did that artist work with other artists were they inspired by other artists okay let's go check them out and you're not going to like everything you see and that's perfectly fine I've always said this about art I don't mind if people dislike artworks in fact the worst reaction you can ever have to an artwork is kind of uh indifference. kind of yeah indifference kind of meh you're like you know I don't think anything of it or I just missed it completely the fact that it's it's meant to provoke it's about ideas and therefore you know that's what contemporary and especially modern art is about so like the most famous modern artwork is probably the urinal made by Marcel Duchamp who kind of signed a urinal and put it in a gallery and people will look at it and go oh, well that's not art and that's exactly what he was saying he was saying that I'm an artist I've signed something I've put it in a gallery therefore it must be art and he was kind of challenging the concept of what is art and that's why it's so important the fact that people are saying Oh, that's not really an artwork. Is the You're, point. Is the point, yeah. Okay, scenario two. I am Sally and I really like historical artwork and I find artwork that looks maybe a bit abstract to be potentially rudimentary, a bit pointless, maybe even childlike. What would be your tips for Sally? Okay, Sally. So I think there's this thing about, you know, a five-year-old could have done it. It's the yeah. classic statement, isn't it? Yeah, oh my gosh, the amount of times it? we hear that, yeah. And I think that's important to realise where art comes from. So it's it's perfectly fine if someone just likes historical art, is not interested in modern and contemporary art. But it's important to realise that it's all a journey, right? The history of art is a journey. So it's evolved from, say, people were painting because there was no photography back then so if you wanted to pick the scene either people had to kind of imagine it in their head or there were these grand paintings and somebody like oh well that's what it looked like when Jesus was having the last supper with his you know with his disciples and they were all sitting on the same side for some reason and <laughs> <laughs> you mean you don't have dinner parties no nobody sit sits on, on the other side, side. <laughs> Nobody sits on the other side. Uh, but yes, they think about that and they think, okay, that's how it was. And therefore, but then with the advent of photography, the question was, okay, now we have something that can depict things exactly how they are. 
so what is art for? And that's when art had this kind of existential crisis. And then it started becoming, that's what Impressionism is, is about. Impressionism is about capturing the moment and capturing and, the impression. Yeah, and crucially your impression of something. And, mm. and what the maybe the emotions, thoughts and feelings are in a moment without, you know, separate from the literal. Mm. And then for any modern artwork is now trying to build upon that and say, what are we trying to say through our artwork? Now, does everyone succeed? No, you know, but that's the thing. They're trying to say something with their artwork. Some are trying to say, I'm trying to show you an emotion. Some are saying, I'm trying to give you an idea. Some are sort of deeply political and trying to provoke. And that's the nature of artworks. They are pushing the boundaries in all directions. And every single artwork is most definitely not going to work for Sally or for Anna or for Tabish or anyone else. But the idea is let's start throwing lots of ideas out there and let's see what comes of it. And that's what artists are. They think in a slightly different way to people who say have a more corporate job. And the idea is they're provoking. They're saying, here's an idea. What do you think of it? Let's discuss by you looking at my artwork. What are your tips for getting into art? Yeah, I mean, I think, I think it's interesting because you have come from a perspective of somebody that has got into art. So... I'm looking at this from somebody that has always been into art, but I think that what I would say to friends is be aware of your surroundings because I think that as an artist, inspiration for to create art can come from everywhere. And I think what you like and what you're attracted to can also come from everywhere. And I mean that in you know, the outside world, in nature, but also in a clothing store, when two colours are put together, when you like your friend's outfit, all of those things. And I, I think that, you know, recognising and noting when you are finding something that you like and enjoy is really important. And that will most likely translate itself into something that you can find in a gallery and even potentially something that you can buy and have in your house. It could also be an approach to find what kind of artwork you like to create yourself and, and what it is that you are inspired to make. So I always say to people, and I think a lot of my friends in lockdown did pick up a pen or a painting or, you know, there was a lot of paint by numbers, which again tells me you don't trust yourself to create something that, you know, you're not being told how to do something and you want it to look like something else. But I think if you can move past, you know, people telling you what, what does your kind of, what are you inspired to create? Are you inspired to draw? Are you inspired to paint? Does getting messy really appeal to you? Does being really geometric with your work, does that really appeal to you? Does strong lines and forms appeal to you? Does colour appeal to you? What is it that you really like to make yourself? And then that could be a really interesting platform to then look at what you like in other people's work. And it might be something completely different or it might be something really similar. I know that mm. I've always been really into colour. So I, you know, my one of my first experiences was at an Impressionist exhibition and looking at Picasso's work because those have really, really strong elements of colour and colour becomes in itself a subject matter. So yeah, those those would be my tips. And, and also going with people to galleries because actually what's really nice, and, and I know when you and I have met up and we've gone to an exhibition, your input is really, really important and then shapes my what, how I feel about the artwork because you bring up things that I would not have even considered. So going as a group to an art exhibition and you know exploring contrasting opinions is really, mm. really nice. Same with my partner or family. Like the things I love in a, in, in a work will speak to somebody else and you know vice versa. If something speaks to one person in a group but doesn't speak to another person, it's really interesting to pick apart why that might be and not being afraid to look silly or say the wrong thing. 
have the confidence in your own opinion. I think that's really important. And you touched on something we talked about before, which was that realising how art is everywhere. And one thing that people take for granted, maybe, is you think of things like books. So the book cover was designed Mm. by someone who's either an illustrator or an artist. Or I know we don't really have them anymore, but CD covers. And this is showing my age, but one of my first (laughs) albums was um, uh, Michael Jackson's Dangerous on cassette. Yes. And that cover art... Even though I hadn't, I was going to be 20 years before I discovered art fully, that cover art is inspired by Hieronymus Bosch's Garden of Earthly Delights, which I had no idea. Mm. But at the time, I really loved the cover art. And now I look back and go, oh, he clearly drew from that. Or I'll see an advert for, I think it was an advert for cars, and they were all in these primary colours in blocks. And I was like, oh, that's inspired by Pierre Mondrian's coloured blocked paintings. So you mm. think... All of these things draw inspiration and fashion comes from art and so does so much in our everyday life is designed, you know, it's designed to attract us, it's designed to do a certain thing, you know. It's even really simple things like, you know, you take it for granted, but say the Underground Round or the McDonald's logo, it's designed to be (laughs) able to be seen from anywhere and you know, that is what I'm looking at and that's where I'm heading towards or heading away from, depending on how you're feeling. And that's that's the idea, right? That's art is everywhere, actually. It informs every element of our lives, even if we're not thinking about it. Absolutely. Yes, it does. It totally does. And, and, and it is everywhere. And I think people forget that. We live our lives in art and surrounded by art. So as we look to wrap up this episode, Anna, what are your two top tips for getting into art? My two top tips, see what art you like to create, try and create something and what what you might find that your subconscious knows a little bit more about your tastes than you do and a little bit more about what you're comfortable with and what you enjoy more than you do. So yeah, try and create something, see what happens Um, and go with friends, go to a gallery with friends. It's fun to go alone, but I think that bouncing ideas off of other people and enjoying art together is really, really nice. What about you, Tab? What are your Tab's top tips? Tab, two two tabs top tips. Quite hard to say, actually, <laughs> uh, when you think about it. Uh, but my two tips would be, firstly, go and see as much as you can. Immerse yourself in it. You'll quickly learn what you like and what you don't like. And, what, and if you don't like something, that's perfectly fine. Focus on the things that really grab you and inspire you and draw inspiration from. And then secondly, I would say now in the world of social media, there's so many people you can find who go to galleries and museums and follow them and see what they're talking about and say right I want to go see those shows and use them as almost like your online board of all the potential exhibitions that are out there and say those are the ones that I want to go see and use them as your curators. Absolutely. Well, we really hope you enjoyed this episode on how to get into art. If you do want any more information and you want to see what Tab and I are up to, then you can follow me on Instagram at Anna Gammons Art. And I'm on at London Art Critic. This has been The Good, The Bad and The Arty. We'll see you next time. Please do like, subscribe and give us a little review as long as it's five stars.